You're listening to the Con Artist Podcast. The Art of Confidence to the Creative Mind with Allison Robertson and Blake McIver Ewing. Hi, Allison. Hello, Blake. <laughs> we are back. We are We're back. back. We're back from the break. Yes. Did you it's have lovely. a nice break? I did. I'm noticing uh, only our patrons will be able to see this. Uh, people that are listening will not be able to see this, but I'm noticing in my shot, my lovely farmer's tan stripe. Oh, um, I do see from, it. From my getaway. <laughs> and it was not, it's not, it's not a good, it's not a good story. It's not like I was on some, you know, exotic tropical island. Yeah. island. No, I was actually outdoor at a safe, socially distanced outdoor only wine tasting and the sun came out and I got a burn because I was not under an umbrella. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but but we have been talking about tiptoeing out into the world and you did. I, have. I did. How I was that? I tiptoed out into the world for my birthday and did a safe, distant trip up the coast. <laughs> and it was actually very delightful. And I was really proud of Central California and okay. uh, all of San Luis Obispo County where I kind of bopped around uh, for being extremely safe, con extremely COVID friendly. I should, well, maybe not COVID friendly is not the right way to say it, but COVID, COVID aware. Okay. That's a good one. I like that. COVID aware. Who's being COVID aware? That's a great, I like that coin. Masked mandates were very much in effect, even as dining sort of was, I saw was sort of starting to crop up. I'm still not quite to that comfort level yet, but everybody, you. you know, everybody has to follow their own gut but i of course made the exception for outdoor wine tasting <laughs> listen we all have to tiptoe as you say well you know that you're tiptoeing out into the wineries right and my girls are tiptoeing they went away to see their dad for their first visit with him since covid hit so you know you're tiptoeing with wine and i'm tiptoeing with wine with feelings over here so you know i'm tiptoeing around the house going, how do I feel about this? But they are foraying, you know, in an Airbnb safely. That's what, we, I, that's what we did. That's, yeah. what, that's what Emerson and I did. We did a, did an Airbnb situation, hospital grade disinfectant came with me. Every, I know. every handle got sprayed just so that you can relax, you know, because it's like, if you're, if you're, if you can get to the point where you're not having to think about it, then you can relax. And yes. so that was, that was lovely. Also wine helps with that, but obviously that's not, that's not yes. for your, for your underage daughters. <laughs> no, not please. Oh, that's an, another special episode if we have to get into that, but <laughs> no, it's been interesting, right? Cause the kids are on spring break and, and I will say, you know, being a newly doing the divorce thing, sending the kids away has been an interesting, uh, adventure for me um, also being an only child you know I was possessive. just gonna say that I was gonna say not I don't think enough people talk about only child parents of not only children yeah because see I'm an only child and my mom is an only child so all of our interactions are very similar because we handle things very similarly as you well know because you know right. my mom very well but you have two <laughs> yes so it's been interesting. And, and I have to say, like, I've tried to keep my boundaries and do my thing and be, I'm trying to be a cool mom and, and like, make sure they're safe and make sure emotionally health. But I will say, you know, I did the thing that I've been doing their entire life, their entire existence. I may have sent our producer, I may have encouraged our producer to go 
for a beach day to visit them to make sure they were okay. Smart. See, that's the good thing about- I mean, she about- wanted to, she wanted to, she wanted to take the boys to the beach, but I may have felt better that she was seeing them. So there it is, kids, cat out of the bag. I sent a spy. I just love that you fought, you sourced your helicopter mom tendency. <laughs> We need to we need to offer this as a service. Are you a helicopter parent that's ashamed of your helicopterness? Well, we got a service for you. We will send a spy. Oh my god! I think Moses' head just fell off of her body. <laughs> Contact us at the Con Artist Pod. We will assign a personalized spy for your child. We put the con in Con Artist. <laughs> oh my god! That's hilarious yes but they're doing exceptionally well so good so we both so we both you you did well we i did well (sighs) i joined another wine club you know because okay why not why not it's your birthday you're my birthday i couldn't go to disneyland you know it's like i get it a year without disneyland is has just made everything Different. Our producer says, why not? Exactly. <laughs> will you cross stitch that for me, Melissa? <laughs> oh my God, she will. Okay. So this was, you know, I get it. So we had a good week. We had a good break. You did wine. I did feelings. <laughs> I may have crossed a boundary. We'll talk about it in therapy. I'll let you know next week. Um, <laughs> but we have a very exciting episode. I mean, I always think every week's exciting, but this week, I think it's pretty interesting. Every week is exciting, but yes, we have uh, we have really uh, cool guests on the show today. We have two guests on our show today. Mm-hmm. Um, they are twins, yes. and uh, they are both phenomenal actors. And you know them most recently from their very memorable recurring turn on The Queen's Gambit on Netflix, oh. um, which was so phenomenal. Uh, it was so good. I. You know, I'm going to try to not be too, I'm going to try and stay professional and try to not fangirl too much, but it's going to be hard for me because the content of the show couldn't have been more perfectly suited for me. It's as a mid-century freak, it's set in the 60s. Is your dog like having a- I mean, please, I can't can't even with him. Like, (laughs) I- I... (laughs) As I'm trying to talk about this prestigious Netflix show, all I hear is- And I know it's not a cat. I know it's a dog because I've lived with the little mongrel before. I mean, we're just never getting on a network. Okay. <laughs> so. That's just easy. Talking about it is easier than editing. I'm, I'm saving, <laughs> saving us time in post. Um, but anyway, so The Queen's Gambit, obviously mid-century. I love everything about that. But also the project that I was working on right before, right as the pandemic hit, was yep. the mu- a version of the musical chess. And so you couldn't have, you couldn't have taken, because even in working on chess, there are moments where I'm like, oh, I just wish this was the 60s instead of the late 70s, early 80s. And Queen's Gambit was like, really? Because we can do that for you. All was missing were the musical numbers. It's No, I mean, I loved everything about the show and I especially loved our guest in the show. And you're right. Everything about it was exquisite. And I'm just excited to hear about them. Well, tell, tell, tell the peeps who we got. Yes. So uh, let's, without further ado, we've got the wonderful and adorable and brilliant Matthew Dennis Lewis and Russell Dennis Lewis. Let's bring him in. 
We are so excited about our very special guests today on the Con Artist Podcast. Um, please welcome into the room, Matthew and Russell Dennis Lewis. Welcome, guys. Hey, thank you, guys. Thanks for having us. Thank you for being here. Yeah, we're so excited. This is great. And you guys are awesome. I mean, out of our whole season, I'm really the most excited about this interview. <laughs> Not putting any of our other guests down, but I'm really excited <laughs> to talk to you and hear everything. So I'm thrilled that you're here. Oh, thank you. That's a high bar. <laughs> <laughs> so we do everything a little bit backwards here on The Con Artist. So normally we would start with, uh, you know, how, how did you guys get started? And what was the what was the early part of the journey like for you? We'll get there in a minute. I kind of want to know about what has the past, gosh, six, five, six months been like in your life as this uh, incredible Netflix show, The Queen's Gambit, has just blown up. Oh, um, tell so us good. a little bit, tell us a little bit about the end of the story first, and then we'll backtrack. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, it blows our mind. I mean, we knew the show was going to do well. Uh, we worked with the team before a previous project, and we knew the caliber of talent being brought to the to, to the project. But I mean, just the viral sensation that it became was just, I don't think we expected that. And I think it was much needed mm -hmm. at, during that time during the pandemic and it was very relatable and people needed a underdog story. And I just think it was the right time, right time, right place. Yeah. And I want to ask you about, um, because it did, it did blow up so fast and, and I think it was kind of the perfect storm of everybody was stuck at home and here you have a show that is so engaging immediately and so bingeable that it, it was almost like you you couldn't have asked for a more perfect moment to, to sit people down and be like, we really need you to watch this entire show because it's really smart and it's really cerebral. <laughs> yeah. And you, didn't, you like didn't have to tell people to do that. Did, uh, did you find that sort of as as the show blew up and as as uh, you were starting to get a whole new crop of, of fans and followers and people being aware of you, did it did it was it different than any other project you've been on before in that just sort of the speed of it all? Yeah, to uh, touch base on timing, though, real quick, the serendipity of that all was magical in the sense that we finished filming it in the beginning of December, you know, 2019, and we didn't make it back to California, you know, until the very beginnings of COVID. So, you know, the show as a whole lucked out in the sense that it was all in the can and ready to go from there. Because if we had to finish filming after the holidays, we wouldn't have finished it. Um, so thankfully, you know, the editors and everyone could work remotely from home and they were able to finish the project and still have it out when it was supposed to be out, you know? Right. And, that's, uh, that's incredible. That's incredible. So I want to know, like, are you sitting at home what, as the show's blowing up, right? And everyone's just completely crazy about it and i know you're probably thrilled that it's blowing up but in a way are you like oh my god it's blowing up in the middle of a pandemic like, <laughs> are, we, are we missing did you feel because i know you know we talk about the artists all the time are you feeling like you're missing something did you have that god if this wasn't covid19 mm -hmm. if we weren't in the middle of a pandemic would it be different for us or were you able to accept it and, and still find joy in what was happening? Because I think it's awesome regardless, yeah. Yeah. but what did you experience during that? I mean, I think we, I mean, we definitely take joy in how successful it is. Like you said, like we, we've gained so many fans and so many, and it's got, put a lot of tension on us, but at the same time, it's like, you get so excited. You're like, wow, this, 
Like this could be the big uh, break, <laughs> but there's in no my house. the big break but, in my house. I'm yeah, in my no. house. Why it's happening? But then there's like no auditions for a year, so it's like, well, it was yeah. good while it lasted, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, next, you know, the momentum slowed down a little bit. Like some of the other bittersweet things were that, you know, I believe that since everyone was home, that really helped it become the success it was, um, especially because a lot of a lot of it spread by word of mouth. There wasn't a lot of advertising for the show. It literally spread from people talking about it, which was amazing. Um, but on the flip side, it's like we couldn't do all of those fun physical things. Like we couldn't do a premiere, we couldn't do a screening, we couldn't go to red carpets. Like all of that, you know, was canceled. You know, even now the award shows, you know, the Golden Globes, Critics' Choice, all that, right? Canceled, canceled. So you know, a lot of those aspects that are fun to just go out and get dressed up and you know celebrate. You know, we didn't get the chance to do that. Yeah, and we had a really good chance of going because most of the cast is from the UK. Yeah. So <laughs> right, there's no one in LA, so we're us. So it's like, hey, we could have been doing. Like our eyes are really like, good. Yes, <laughs> we're we're getting the invite to the to the Zoom meeting. <laughs> that's what. Yeah, that's what I was thinking about. Just like on the just on the silly side of things, just the fun of like a premiere. And you know, net, we all know Netflix loves to spend money on a party, and that <laughs> darn it, there will be more. I want to ask a little bit about because as I was watching the show, I, every time a new location cropped up that I could tell was practical, just because there was no way you could have filmed it fake or CG, I looked up a location and everything was in Germany, which I could not believe. Here you have this show that was like so American in its root and yet so global in the sort of chess, international chess world, all done in Berlin. Like how, how was your experience of living there for months while you did this project? Cause I mean, that's a really, that's a really cool and random place to be. Yeah, I mean, I think I think they shot they shot a few scenes of some New York City footage in Toronto, I believe, but that I don't even think made the final cut because They'd only written six episodes, but cut it to seven because they had so much footage that so they still even cut some. Um, but yeah, a lot of it was filmed in Berlin. Um, we were there for three and a half months, um, wow. which wasn't supposed to be the case in the beginning. We were supposed to be there for a week in September and then come back to the States and then fly back out for all of November. But Anya is just so busy <laughs> that she was like wrapping up. I think she was wrapping up on Peaky Blinders or something or another mm -hmm. film. And then yeah. well, her schedule was kind of changing so she could kind of work around that. So then the day before we flew out, we got our itinerary and it said that we we're going from September to the end of November. Right, that's not, that's not what we agreed upon. So I called my manager, I'm like, hey, I think there's an error with the itinerary, just wanna let you know so we can get that fixed. And he's like, okay, uh, so he reached out to production, but because of the time difference, they didn't get a response back. So we got up the next morning, we're like, I guess we'll just pack a couple extra bags <laughs> just in case. Oh so my God. Bags. And then when we landed in Germany, we got the uh, message back, oh, you guys will be there for three months. Uh, wow. uh, so I had to like call my job and be like, hey, this isn't how I wanted to do this, <laughs> but um, I'm putting in my notice. I won't be returning. <laughs> Listen, I think that is the best story, and for, especially for our listeners, because I love them hearing the practical that even on a show that they that you see the final product is so successful and and they see it that you're having this moment where you're like, I'm going home and going back to my job. I might be doing nope, I'm staying here for three months. Like that even like it's moment to moment. And as creatives and artists, like that's one of our greatest superpowers is that living in the moment regardless. Yeah. 
what's going on. You know, we always hear the negative, but this was a wonderful, and I'm assuming a wonderful thing. Yeah. Well, and then even once we were there, we were only supposed to be there, I think for a total of like 89 days, but then they had to do another schedule change that would put us there for 93. So then we had to like go through the whole process of getting temporary visas because you can only be there for 90 days. 90 days. And so then we had to go through all of that. Which, so. then, which then was a problem because my passport expired. Because <laughs> like you can't have like, you can't have like a three month expiration and be right. in, in, in the, U, or the EU. So then I ran into all these problems with my passport and they weren't even gonna let me fly to Germany. Um, they were gonna let me go, but not him. Yeah, the airport. So, yeah. so we're like, this is kind of a twin act. You can't. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is where kind we of a thing. Package deal. We have to go together here. Yeah. So then, yeah. like, so then, like, production, like, again, different time zones. So, like, I'm trying to call production. Like, I have to wake up the poor production coordinator, and she's like half asleep, and she's like, uh, well, uh, hold on, let me get a guy. Let's see what happens. So then, like, they 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 sent me a. Oh, think return flight. <laughs> so like go to the airport, be like, oh, I'm returning in a week to re to renew my passport, and then I'll be flying back. And then once we got in Germany, um, production took my visa to the embassy and had it all taken care of, and I was fine. But I was like, yeah. I mean, I like, yeah, but I felt like a spy because like they're like, give me fake tickets, give me my passport. Like they gave us like an envelope with cash and maps. And like, okay, here we go. <laughs> This covert operation <laughs> to get a to get a TV show made. It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I know that you worked with this production team before, and then moved over here with the this show. My my question is, you know, watching the show, there was something about your characters when they came on it. I was talking to Blake before the show, and I'm saying it. You know, it always gave me such comfort whenever the two of you came on the screen for for her. Right, I was always like, okay, okay, they're gonna take care of her. It's gonna be okay. Like, and my question to you was because I know your characters were written for this show. Was that discussed? Was there was there an arc that was discussed for you guys? What what or did you bring that element to the show? Well, I mean, how it started from start to finish also was we had we were able to go to the after Emmys party you know, for Godless, the other Netflix series that we did with Scott Frank and, you know, a lot mm -hmm. of the cast and crew. Scott Frank, the writer and director. Yeah. yeah. So we made it to that. And when we were there, you know, he was like, I'm so glad because we weren't invited to the party, but <laughs> my managers were able to get us in. Um, and so he was like, oh my God, I'm so happy you guys are here. Um, he's like, this is the perfect, you know, ending to the Godless chapter. And he's like, don't worry, I'm going to be tapping on your guys' shoulders real soon. We'll be working again. And, you know, in the industry, you're always like, yeah, you hear all the time, you know, we love sure. it, you know, appreciate it, but not going to hold our breath. Um, and then a few months later, you know, he, he said, if we were ever in New York, you know, reach out to him, we'll go out, you know, for lunch or whatever. And we had gone to New York to film an episode of Blue Bloods. So we're like, oh, let's have Scott. And so we did. And he took us to brunch and like immediately as soon as we sat down, he's like, so did they send you the script yet? And we're like, what script? <laughs> you know, and then he, oh my gosh, yeah, and that's when he laid it all out for us. And he's like, "I'm doing this book, you know, it's Queen's Gambit." And so we went out and immediately bought it and read it from like front to back. And all he said was, "You know, in the beginning they're not so nice, and then they become the friends." So that was the arc, and so the rest we kind of worked with. Wow, crazy! That's amazing. I love it. I love it. it makes me so excited. Now, I I know because. I have a, we have a mutual friend, so I have a little bird that can whisper in my ear. 
But I do know that, you know, being twins, I'm very curious about the psychology about that for you two. I do know that you have, is it true you have separate representation? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So, how come and why? uh, I I think it's awesome. I know you're two individuals. For the longest, for the longest time, commercially, we had the same commercial agent, just because that's kind of where the twin thing actually lives the most. There's not much theatrically for twins, for adult twins anyway. You see it a lot for children because of child labor laws, but uh, you don't really see that many for adult twins. So we have separate reps though, theatrically and separate managers, because there's just so much competition as it is. The last thing you want is to be like, well, why are you sending him out and not me? Like, you know, so, so we, yeah. So we yeah. made it a point to purposely do that. So that way there's no competition. Yeah. Or if like both of us went for one role, who does the agent go with? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. right. Uh, conflict of interest. I'll give you 11% if yeah. you push <laughs> <laughs> I think that's so smart, though, because, you know, as as artists in in the commercial space where we're always faced with such competition, I can't imagine the strange sort of dichotomy here of like, it's your it's your family, it's your brother, it's, you know, all of that thing. I think it's so smart um, to to do that and keep that separate. Let's let's jump back for a second. How um, because I don't I don't know the beginning of the story. I know you guys grew up in New York. How did how did you guys start in the in the business? What where did when did the bug bite, so to speak? Um, I mean, we grew up, yeah, we grew up upstate New York, like the rural farmland. We call it like the North South. Like we grew yeah. up like in a mobile home on a dirt road in the middle of nowhere next to a cow pasture, you know? Um, <laughs> so, um, but I think that is what really, I think that's where the creativity kind of came from is because uh, we we had a TV, but we didn't have any reception. We couldn't watch TV. We had two stations. We had like one of those like old metal like antennas that like one person had to sit on the couch and be like, turn more. And then the owner of the door being like, turn it more. And the one has like a broom and they're like, turn it. <laughs> but anyway, so it forced us to play outside. So our whole lives, we have two other brothers. Um, so our whole lives were just playing outside, make believe, creating stories and characters, you know, and then we were always just kind of very artistic kids growing up, you know, uh, we did a couple of plays in school and everything. And uh, it wasn't until I got to college and I had to take an arts course. And the only thing available was an acting class. I'm like, well, I've done some acting in high school. It should be fine. And that's when I fell in love with it. And then I moved to New York City because I uh, got accepted into an acting conservatory. Mm-hmm. And then it was kind of up from there. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then I just kind of got involved with it you know, along the way, you know, I had moved to New York City shortly after he did, about a year after, uh, but pursued more of like a fitness modeling kind of route and then got more into acting um, and then just went from there. But I got sidetracked a little bit. I started having like issues on the business side of, you know, you know, with some bad things like shady agencies and managers and stuff like that. So I had gotten kind of discouraged and, you know, decided to take up something I've always wanted to do and get into competitive kickboxing and did that for a few years. Awesome. But then I got to the point where I was really missing acting. And then that's, he had moved to Hollywood. Um, and then I had stayed in New York for like another year and a half. And then I was like kind of at the crossroads of like, do I continue to go kickboxing and go pro or do I continue with the passion that I once really wanted to do? And that's what made me jump to Hollywood as well. And so that's how we got to where we are now. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> so did do you still kickbox? Uh, not competitively, but we just still do pad work and training and we'll kick pads and stuff. It's, it's great cardio. <laughs> <laughs> oh 
I've been, thinking, I've been thinking about getting back into it though. Maybe one or two good fights. We'll see. Okay. You mean like MMA fighting kind of thing? Uh, kind of, but strictly stand up. Yeah, Muay Thai kickboxing. It's Thai kickboxing. Wowee. Okay. <laughs> that is not what I expected you to say, but all righty. <laughs> So I love that you talked about, you know, the sort of, sort of the, the disillusionment that comes with, you know, you, you think, you know, you have a passion for something, but then you realize the practicality of the business side of it. And it's, it's something that I talk about a lot on this podcast, having been a child actor and then sort of had having major disillusionment as a young adult teen actor that caused me to walk away from it before I, before I came back. This, what was the sort of thing? What was this, what, what, what did you hold on to, to go, you know what? No, because clearly you've, you guys both have lots of gifts and lots of talents and not exactly the same gifts and talents. So what kind of brought you guys back together to it, to be like, no, you know what? This is the, this is the passion. This is the dream. And it's worth it to take the risks to follow through. Cause I find that so inspiring and people don't always talk about that moment where we could have zigged instead of zagged. Right. I think, well, I think my biggest defining moment was, uh, cause I spent several years in New York city after graduating conservatory and all of my time and energy went to just work. I mean, we were working the graveyard shift at this restaurant called cafeteria. Um, down in Chelsea and like we're in a graveyard shift and like all our time and energy just went to working and paying bills. Mm -hmm. And after several years, like one day I literally just woke up and I'm like, I haven't even been pursuing what I moved here for. I'm like, what am I doing? Um, and a friend of mine was living in LA at the time and he still is. And he's like, dude, just make the move. Like there's so much work out here. You'll do amazing. So I was like, you know what? Sure. And I literally put on my two week notice, saved up as much money as I could, packed a couple bags, just left. Uh, I left everything. I literally told my brothers because we were sharing a place. I'm like, I, I, I have boxes I never opened, just throw it all away. I don't, <laughs> I don't know what's in them anymore. I packed two bags and left. Uh, yeah. And then I got out here and I, and, I, and I did very well. I was booking a lot, a lot, uh, you know, but I was non union, but I was still like hustling. I was doing a lot of short films, a lot of student films, a lot of like spec commercials and snap, but blah, blah, blah. Became union. But, um, but then I found the struggle of like, I just felt like I was behind the ball because everyone in my age range like was already established by this point. So I was like, wow, everyone else has been working for years. A lot of them have, you know, have amazing agents and dozens of credits. And I'm like, now coming in the game so late, it's like, how do I play catch up now? Right. So then that became this like, you know, voice in my head. It's like, you know, because then the successes were for me at the time seemed so much more important and more necessary. And when they weren't coming as fast as I was like, I was like, how am I supposed to catch up if it, if the opportunities aren't happening? You know? So yeah, I'm not sure if I answered your question. But. <laughs> no, it, abs <laughs> it absolutely did. No, that was yeah. the, I mean, that's the leap of faith. That's exactly what 100% what I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah. And then as far as mine, you know, like I said, I was kickboxing at the time and I really did miss, you know, acting and the creating and the storytelling and that's funny it's funny i always tell people like my defining moment was one tv show and it was spartacus on stars i don't know if you've ever seen it or oh yes yes but there's so many brutal fight scenes in it and i was like i can literally take what i've been doing for the past three years and still and use do it, it <laughs> yeah that's what it was like you know i'm i'll move also and i moved to LA and a lot of my, you know, beginning roles, you know, the small indie films and the short films and stuff like that, they, most of them all had fight choreography involved. 
And I booked every single one of them because I looked natural fighting. So it did lend a hand in getting me back into it. So I, That's I think great. one of the amazing things that you're sharing is like that you you used your gifts, right? You you figured out you didn't just say like, okay, I'm gonna pursue it this way. You're like, okay, I have all what's the what skills do I have? What talents do I have and how do I use them? on top of what is my passion and what is my drive. And I think we do hear this as a reoccurring theme here on our show, that that is what makes people successful is when they, they have the dream and they have the drive, but then they really look within themselves and like, okay, what skills do I have and what talent and what gifts? Don't do you find that to be true, Blake, that our guests all have that kind of through line of relying on themselves and also believing in themselves with what they have? Absolutely, because we talked so much about, you know, where passion, passion without gifts is not helpful. Gifts are great, but if you're not going to have the follow through, you know, what are you doing What's with the them? It's it's that constant balance, right? And and that we're always as artists and as even just as creative professionals, we're always just trying to figure out, okay, am I balancing the passion versus the 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 craft or the gifts, and then. Like you said, like you guys were saying, like, can you also pay the bills? <laughs> like, so, so the, you know, we, we, we leave that out too often in these conversations, right? We get to the just like airy fairy. Oh, am I, am I doing the work? Am I living the, my truth through my art? And it's like, yeah, also rent is still due. So <laughs> we tell people that all the time, you know, people don't, they don't understand or realize how expensive it is to be an actor. Cause it's not just, you're paying your rent. You know, you're also paying for classes, your headshots, you're traveling for auditions. You have to pay for 12 different breakdown services. Yes. You know, it, it all adds up. Coachings. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, I mean, and then commissions on top. So. Yeah. <laughs> so when you get these moments of what you guys have gotten, it's why it's so wonderful to take that victory lap. You know, it's so wonderful to bask in what, where you are right now, right? And really appreciate it. I do have a question because I think you guys have such a healthy mindset. You know, we talk a lot about the imposter syndrome on the show and doubting ourselves and feeling fraudulent. And, and, I, and I understand you can probably, I want to hear how you feel as individuals, as artists, but how does that work when you go up with something together as brothers or as twins? Does it make, do you ever feel, um, I know if, if we talk as artists lose a, lose a job, right? You can sit and think like, mm -hmm. what did I do? Or what's wrong? What, you know, you can analyze it so much and it can certainly work on your self-esteem. Do you have that together when you go up for something or does it make it easier because you have each other? I, I think, well, one, surprisingly, very rarely do we ever go up for the same role. It's only happened a few times. I mean, as twin, like when you go up for roles, like as, as twins, like, and if you go up oh, against well, together, twins, right? Yeah. Sometimes there is sometimes there is that self-doubt. It's like, oh wait, did we not book it because I said that line wrong? <laughs> was it my fault? Or what you know, like there is yeah, sometimes like yeah. Mm -hmm. um, okay. but um, but no, but I think I think I think we're pretty good at working together and keeping each other motivated and grounded. But it is sometimes awkward because not only because a lot of writers don't know how to write for twins. Mm -hmm. So usually one has a large part and one has like two lines or no lines and they're just there for the sight gag. So like sometimes it's awkward because you have to always learn both roles. 
So you're not only auditioning against other twins, but now you're auditioning against each other for the bigger twin oh role. And so, so sometimes that's kind of awkward. It's like, why can't they just write it a little more evenly? Why do they have to make like one have 90% of the lines? You know, so that's sometimes, but again, like we're good about it and we're like, whatever, like a job's a job. If one of us gets it, it's a win for, I mean, if we get it, it's a win for both of us, it doesn't matter who has the lines. No one's going to know anyway. Right. <laughs> no one's going to know, you know, so, so, so if he has the bigger line, I'll just cut it into my reel. No one's going to know yeah. the difference. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the amazing thing about Scott Frank is that he he does such a good job at keeping it so even and level. You know, there's there's always plenty for both of us to work with. Yeah. So that's awesome. he's also a twin himself. So, you know, oh, that's interesting. Twin. Okay, I didn't realize that. He has a, well, he has a twin sister, but yeah. So uh, yeah. But, so I think he knows what's like to share everything. So I think he's pretty good at it. <laughs> dividing it evenly. Yeah. Well, our producer of this show has identical twins who have also had their share of t TV time. So we, you're, you're, you're all at home here. <laughs> so that's awesome. I love to hear that he has such a sensitivity to that, right? That he has an understanding. It's always good yeah, to well, hear and that. He's also, and, and he's also just a great director in the sense of like, he's so collaborative with the artists. Like he truly wants you to put your input in. He wants to know, like, cause like he'll say all the time, he's like, I'm just the writer. He's mm -hmm. like, if you guys don't think you'd say that, let me know. Or if like, you guys have an idea, let me know. Let's try to work around and work it in. So he, mm -hmm. he, he's also just great that way. Cause he just really truly wants to collaborate and work with everyone. Yeah. Um, and, and cause yeah, he's the writer, director, producer. So he could easily just be like, it's my way, it's my way, it's my way. But he's okay. like, oh no, mm -hmm. he, he, he's like, you're the artists. He's like, you're the ones they're gonna see. <laughs> he's like, if you think there's something that you wanna do or try or change, let me know. So that's amazing. That's so incredible to hear because you think of, I mean, the, these shows that he's given us that are, you know, really what I would call prestige appointment kind of entertainment. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't, you don't ever think of that brand of um, product to be something that's like a, a democracy at all. Like, you know, we, we, we just hear the horror stories of, of the showrunners and creators that are like, that really do say it's my way or the highway here's my track record you're just a cog in my machine but i think that's part of maybe that's part of the magic and why people are so love his work and and love the actors in his work because there is a freedom of expression in there and i mean i certainly felt it watching queen's gambit as as i i i, I saw artists doing great work and in an exciting way and in a way that like even though it was period felt so fresh you know mm -hmm. everyone's contribution felt extremely viscerally fresh even though i bought obviously bought the time period 100 percent, and that was a that was a cool way because i think so often when we look at period shows it can be a little bit uh oh we've seen that before we've mm -hmm. we know what that style is we've lived in that before and this was just so anything could happen kind of excitement that obviously you guys breathed a ton of life into so it was it was just really cool yeah. Sorry, that was just me. That was really just me fangirling. That wasn't a that wasn't a that wasn't a question at all. Okay, it was like TV for me. I was like, yes, 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 and they're individuals, and I can feel every moment of it, and the costumes. I was I went through with you, but but I caught myself and didn't speak. So we got we're, we're no. back. We're back. There we okay, go. Back at the YouTube. All right. Okay. So tell us, tell us, tell us. All right. Tell us what's um what are what are the what are the dreams? What are the where does the passion go forward, both individually and collectively, for you guys? Uh, I mean, I think well, I, I'm just to work again. <laughs> 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 I, 
Amen to that. Amen yeah, to that. We, we, we get that. We get that. We feel that. But, you know, I, no, I just, I mean, just to, I, mean, I don't think there's one set goal or set, like, career high that I'd want to do. It's just to continue telling amazing storytelling that truly, con- that people truly connect to and that, you know, that they can relate to and really mean something. Because, I mean, that's kind of why we all got into it. To, well, not everyone, but it's like, you know, it's, it's to tell stories and to do all that. I think, uh, but one passion I would love to do is I love my like post-apocalyptic sci-fi <laughs> stuff. So, you know, yes. so like a walking dead or, you know, stuff like that would be great, but yeah. <laughs> but. Or just something, something out of this realm, you know, very sci-fi, you know, because I mean, obviously it was a lot of fun to do the Queen's Gambit and, and even Godless was a little outside the realm. So it was like you know, Western in the 1880s, but it's still, right. you know, real history. Well, not history, but but it'd be fun to do like, you know, one of those epic, like galactic sci-fi movies, you know, where you actually become something different that you aren't, you know, so that'd be a a career goal. Or now that the MCU is bringing the X-Men back, I would would love to be an (laughs) X-Men. Yes. (laughs) And I love that you said it on our show. As, as if it's going to go global. Maybe. Putting it out there. We're, to God's ears. Like, we're, there we're, we go. Okay. You're speaking your, it. Pull strings for us. <laughs> speaking it into existence. Yeah, speaking it into existence. Yes. <laughs> I love it. I love I'll call, it. I'll call on my friend over at Disney Plus and uh, get right on that. <laughs> Direct to the mouse. That's this is great. Awesome. Well, Guys, we thank you so very much uh, for being on the show today. Uh, it's it's, so it's been awesome. a, such a pleasure to talk to you. And um, you guys are both so phenomenal individually and collectively. And we're so excited to see what happens next in your exciting careers. Thank yeah, you and let's, hold on, before you go, can you tell our, our listeners where they can find you on, yes. on all the socials so that they can follow you and keep up with what's going on and what's next? Yes. Yeah. Uh, well, mine, mine's short because I don't. I have a love hate relationship with social media. So we get it. Uh, oh my I, gosh, so do I. So, <laughs> so I kind of only stay active on Instagram, but even that, I've just been like only promoting the show the last year. But yeah, so I'm on Instagram at Russell Dennis Lewis is the whole name. Yeah, I don't really use Twitter. I have one, but I don't even know what my handle is to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Either. Yeah, and my main my main social media is also Instagram, and mine is also my full name, so at Matthew Dennis Lewis. Awesome. Um, and you can just find me on Twitter if you want to, but there's nothing going on over there. <laughs> You sound like us. It's perfect. I don't have like witty quips for for Twitter. You know, I don't have those one liners or those. (laughs) We'll leave that to Blake. You and I will all be on Instagram together. Should we? Should we though? I don't have the best track record. We'll get into that. (laughs) Guys, thank you so much. Yes, thank you so much for being here. Oh my gosh, I love them. I love them. First of all, I love they're so humble. And so positive, like yeah. just so positive. Just bright lights. You can see why people would want to work with them again. Absolutely. Uh, like the same team. Like it makes perfect sense to me how the guys from Godless were like, yeah, mm-hmm, nope, we're bringing you along. Yes. But I love when he when they talked about having brunch with <laughs> Scott Frank. And he was like, did you guys get the script? And they're like, mm, what script? Like just I, me, I would have melted down at the, at the table. They were like, what script? I mean, just just talk about 
just good things happening and them so lovely about it. And, and it's nice to see, it's like nice to watch them on screen. Oh yeah, definitely. Right. And it was funny for me because I sort of know Russell through a bunch of mutual friends. And so we've hung out in social circles before, but having never met Matthew, that was so funny to me. Cause I'm like, yeah. I don't, I even watching the show was funny because I don't even, I, I don't think of them as twins. I know of both of them separately. So I don't even really think, you know, it's kind of odd for me to even <laughs> to even think of them as a as a package deal, so to speak, because they're I think they've such done individuals to me. I was just gonna say they've done an excellent job of being their own artists yes. who just happen to be twins. Yes. Right? Yes. That I think they've done an amazing job of that. And that was really I hope I hope everyone walks away with that and and it, and how they encourage each other. Right. And right. don't want to compete with each other. That was even more. Yes. That, that was, was even really more, special. Yeah. I think a lot of actors should take that page with each other, not just their Absol siblings. Absolutely. Because you think about the toxicity of com competition in show business with actors, yeah. singers, dancers, all the, all of that, you know, and the industry sets us up for that. You know, they set us up for that failure of toxic competitiveness. Yeah. They had a very healthy so, yes understanding of it i thought so healthy lovely lovely yeah. really fun i can't wait to see what they do next because i i feel like this yeah. is such a great and i wouldn't i would be very interested to see them work individually now like to see yeah. them do their own things right yeah yeah interesting really fun all right who's our she gets it this week my friend <laughs> okay my she gets it this week is not topical at all because I feel like our guests were very topical and we were Ugh. very, very of the moment, something that mm -hmm. we're all still talk talking about. So yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, I've talked a lot on, on the podcast about my various coping mechanisms in life mm -hmm. through the pandemic as, as a tortured artist, as a tortured soul, all of the things. Well, I have a new, what I'm calling mental health television show, which is the end of my evening where I turn something on that just either sparks joy or, you know, stimulates either endorphins or serotonin of some sort. I won't even tell you what mine is, but you go. Well, yours is probably some some slasher killer, <laughs> true crime. <laughs> All right. Well, here's what mine has been for weeks now. I have been spending every night of my life for weeks with Courtney Cox watching Cougar Town from the pilot. I love you. And I have no I other tell words. You, when I tell you the the amount of joy that this show brings, and it's not just that, um, like the characters in the show, I too am a wineaholic. Um, yeah. I feel seen by. <laughs> by <laughs> you, you, I see. She she says I see you every episode. Yeah, yeah. I I love the fact that you know th this is this cul-de-sac crew situation that was kind of. You know, I love shows that are like kind of our commune modern family thing that we created. You know, this yes. is very much like that. There's a group of there's a group of them and they all are sort of in each other's business all the time in a in a wonderful way. And um yeah, and then there's just tons of frigging wine <laughs> in oh. every episode. <laughs> So even right. e so even on weeknights when I'm not drinking, it's just it feels like having a cocktail with a friend because <laughs> they're just pouring wine and I'm just like it makes me so happy. And right. it just and and because she was the exec producer and the whole reason it got made, I you know, for me it's Courtney Cox gets it. And we've known that for years. We've known that since 
long before yeah. Friends, but um, but Courtney Cox gets it. The, in fact, the only time Courtney Cox didn't get it, but then she did get it for a moment. I think she didn't get it when the bangs happened in Scream Three, but then she immediately got it and now makes jokes about it all the time. Now she's better, so <laughs> so she's back on our list. Where she do gets you, it. Do you remember? Do you remember what I'm talking about? The Scream yes. Three bangs. Yes. Oh my god. Oh my god. Please, I have been compared to Courtney Cox my whole life. I know. So I love her and I'm I'm all about this. So with that, she, because I love her, it. she does get it. I'm gonna I'm gonna give our trivia this week because, because I've been a fan of Courtney's. Um my my trivia question is when Courtney Cox first started, when we first mm -hmm. got to know her, mm -hmm. she was in a famous music video in the 80s and i want to know whose music video was she in spoiler alert i don't know the answer to this question which is just killing me well you know it's that weird thing of like i know everything about up until uh -huh. the mid 80s and then there's like a gap when i was you know very okay. little so who and then I then like 90 I start to become aware of pop culture again. So I have this falls okay. in the gap. Okay, I'm guessing this I'm guessing this music video was between 85 and 89. Yes, it was. Okay. Well when I was in high school. Perfect. You're welcome. That's Thank you. Why. <laughs> That's <laughs> why. <laughs> but do you notice how the <laughs> it, it's funny because when we first became friends, now I'm just going <laughs> off tangent before we end this episode. When we first became friends. It seemed like our age gap was really noticeable to people very yes. wide because I yes. was still in my 20s when we became really close friends. And have yeah. you noticed that now that I'm in my mid 30s, it does it is not a thing at all. No, nobody. Everyone's like, how old's Blake? Oh, I didn't I didn't know that. I was like, oh, really? I didn't know that. <laughs> oh, OK. I was like, OK, great. <laughs> anyway so all right i don't know Tell if that was as, as interesting as i thought it was but you know i think well anytime we talk about us we think it's interesting and we'll just see what the people think but now we're going to ask them to do something for us right because yes. we want we we believe we teach people how to dream on the show we teach them to have intention and we really need your reviews because we are trying to get a bigger audience. Yes, we are trying to grow our following. So if you are loving the Con Artist podcast, like we hope that you are, uh, because we sure are loving doing it, you could be so kind as to drop us a five-star review on uh, iTunes. It really does help. It really it makes does. a difference with uh, who can find us, our, our, our metrics and searchability. Uh, we want to be able to inspire artists all over the country and all over the world to find their confidence and live their passion in a real way, yes. um, whatever that looks like. So if you could help us, that would be great. You know, just drop us a little, it doesn't, it can be three words. It can be love it. Yes. Queen, work, mama, whatever you want to write. She gets it. <laughs> she gets it. Um, so if you don't mind doing that, that would be awesome. Our dear listeners that have been with us uh, and supporting us all through this first season of the Con Artist Podcast. We've got lots of exciting things coming up as we um, move towards the end of our first season. So do not miss an episode. You can follow us on Instagram at the Con Artist Pod. You can find us on Facebook also at the Con Artist Pod. And if you want to watch the videos and the extra features of our episodes, which you probably should because they're ridiculous, <laughs> follow us on uh, patreon.com slash the con artist podcast. And for just a nominal fee per month, you can see all of our ridiculous shenanigans 
behind yes. the scenes and some things that should have stayed behind the scenes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll see you next week. Bye.